Podcast Help Desk number 22 for Friday, the 13th of June, 2014. This is the Podcast Help Desk with your host, Mike Dell. If you have questions about podcasting, how it works, how to set up your website or RSS feed, drop Mike a voice message at podcasthelpdesk.com or email your question to podcasthelpdesk at gmail.com. You can even tweet your question by using the hashtag podcasthelpdesk. The Podcast Help Desk is now open. morning, good evening, good afternoon. Whatever the case may be, I'm Mike, and this is the Podcast Help Desk. Thanks for listening. And if you're not already subscribed, you can find me over at podcasthelpdesk.com, and you can find the link to the RSS feed there, or uh, iTunes, or a link to Stitcher, or however you want to do it if you're just listening here on the website. Either way, thank you. Of course, if you're already listening to it, you already know how to find it. But I would appreciate it if you subscribed in uh, either Stitcher, iTunes, or your podcatcher of choice. So today I want to kind of get back to the basics. I've got a lot of questions from new or prospective podcasters about how podcasting works. Not really, that's not really what their questions were, but it was obvious to me that they had some misconceptions or or misinformation or uh, I don't know what you would call it, but, uh, you know, just information that, that made me think that, you know, you don't know how this works. And that's fine. You know, I didn't know how it worked when I started either. <laughs> Take some time and hopefully we can cut that time down. So I'm going to explain in very basic terms, how the basic podcast works. And I'm not talking about recording the file and, you know, or anything of that sort. I'm talking about the, the web magic that happens and, you know, with your podcatchers and all that. And, and basically that magic is RSS. It stands for really simple syndication. And even though it's not simple, that's what it's called. It was uh, des- uh, developed by Dave Weiner uh, a long time ago, mainly for blogs. It was a way, you know, people would make these f- programs called feed readers. And instead of, you know, having to go in there and format it the way you want it and all this stuff, it, this thing reached out to you, or kind of backwards, but, you know, instead of you having to go to www.myfavoriteblog.com or whatever blog it was and see if there was something new, this RSS feed coming off of this particular blog would alert you in a feed reader. Hey, something new here. And you could read it right there in your feed reader. And then later on, uh, for podcasting, Dave Weiner added the RSS2 you know, the second iteration of it, of the standard, and that added enclosures. And enclosures is basically how the media file gets uh, brought to you, or uh, brought to the listener, I guess. I'm talking to both listeners and and potential and current creators, but basically the RSS feed is the heart of podcasting. I mean, there's other ways to deliver audio and video and and text and everything else, but 
What makes a podcast a podcast is the RSS feed. And uh, let's see, uh, you know, and I wrote it all out, and in the show notes there's you know, a whole chapter of a book, basically, <laughs> of, of how this works. But I'm just going to kind of hit the high spots here and, and hopefully make it understandable. But RSS feeds are basically files that are somewhere on the web that are either a static file, you know, just a, a file that sits there that gets updated every so often, or they can be gener generated dynamically. I mean, you know, when they're demanded, that's kind of how PowerPress works in generating your podcast RSS feed. Or in my case, I've got a static one, and that's, you know, podcasthelpdesk.com slash podcast.xml. And it's an XML formatted file, which basically contains posts or items, and they're usually in reverse order, newest first and the oldest at the end of the file. And it's a standard where the content isn't formatted in a particular way. I mean, it is formatted in a particular way, but it's not formatted in the traditional sense. You know, it doesn't say, okay, after 80 characters, and here's a line feed, and then the next line's this, and the next line's that. It, it, it leaves it up to the reader, in this case a program, not a person, to uh, format it the way it wants it to. And back in the day, uh, you know, they added podcasting to this. Dave Weiner, who invented the RSS standard, added the magic for enclosures. And the enclosure basically is a little tag that's in the RSS feed. And the RSS feed, by the way, is not meant for humans to look at. It's, it's just a bunch of gobbledygook with some text and, and all that. And, you know, you really, unless you're troubleshooting something or know what you're doing, shouldn't really have to get in there and look at an RSS feed. You, you know, should be able to tell by how it comes up in your preferred reader, whether you got everything right or not. And you can also go to feedvalidator.org, and although they're a little out of date, you can see whether the thing's right or not. But how it kind of works is, is like, uh, let's say, you know, like a radio, I guess. In your car, you've got a radio. And if you want to listen to Bob and Tom in the morning on FM 98.1, you just uh, tune your radio to 98.1 at the right time, and the transmitter transmits Bob and Tom show to you. Well, RSS kind of works that way. Your, your transmitter is your RSS feed from your website, and the receiver is... In a lot of cases, iTunes or Stitcher or, you know, there's a bunch of them. Uh, the podcast app in iOS. And it tunes in and listens to that frequency or that RSS file to see if there's something new in it. Now, this is where it differs from radio. On radio, if you get out of your car and, and then get back in your car 10 minutes later, well, the Bob and Tom show is 10 minutes further along and you can't back up and, and listen to what you missed while you're out of the car. Of course, unless you got one of those fancy stereos with a DVR. And that's kind of really what podcasting does in a way is like the DVR. You set it by tuning into that RSS feed or subscribing and Whenever something new comes down, your 
podcatcher says, hey, there's something new. Hey, there's an enclosure. And I'll grab this enclosure and I'll put it over here so that you can listen to it later. And that's and the other beauty of it, where it differs from radio, is you can subscribe or tune to several frequencies at once. I've got probably 40 of them in my podcatcher, you know, 40 podcasts that I download and listen to over the course of time. Uh, a lot of times I, I get behind on some, but anyway, that's a whole other story. But like I said, the whole heart of the matter is the RSS feed. You, you've got to have that, and it's as I've said a hundred times before, you, it's really good if you own it. So it should come from your website, your own .com. Uh, you can podcast without a website. You can, you know, use services like Libsyn or Blueberry or, or God forbid, uh, a bunch of other those other ones. But uh, Libsyn and Blueberry are probably the only two that I would even consider. Blueberry especially, since uh, you know me. But anyway, it's better if you own your own .com. And you can still use Libsyn or Blueberry with your own .com. It's a little more complicated, but you own it. You know, it'd be like... Uh, the difference between you owning your own radio station, you know, owning the transmitter, paying the electric bill, owning the studio, or, hey, I'm going to go rent an hour of time on this radio station once a week and do my show. Well, you can do that, but you don't own it. And if the station decides, well, you know what, we're going to switch from the talk format to, uh, to uh, punk country, well... Your show no longer fits, and poof, you're gone. Or the radio station forgets to pay their power bill, and they go out of business. You know, that's that'd be the same thing as being on a proprietary system. So it's better to own it yourself. You know, you can always replace the transmitter if uh, if it craps out, but at least you own it. And yes, it's a little more technical, and yes, that's why I'm here. <laughs> And there are a lot of different podcatchers out there, and, you know, different people use different ones, and the, the whole idea behind the RSS standard is that, you know, or just like, you know, on a radio, there's a standard in FM radio, the bandwidth needs to be this much, the modulation should be that much, and you should stay on that particular frequency. You know, and there's standards, and as long as you buy a radio receiver that has those standards, then you can listen to the radio station. Well, same thing with a podcatcher. The podcatcher, you know, takes this RSS feed and knows how to deconstruct it and make it look right on your screen, you know, or, or play right on your speakers or however that works, you know, however that particular one works. Uh, Stitcher kind of does it a little bit different, uh, but... Not significantly. They actually download a copy of your show, and then they serve it from their servers, but they also ping back so you can tell that it, uh, tell that they did that, and so you can use stats, your own kind of stats, not their stats. I mean, they have stats, too, if your show's on Stitcher, but, but for the most part, most of the other podcatchers work that way with the RSS, you know, picking up the... The fact that there's a new show and downloading it, and then you can listen to it whenever, wherever you want. 
or you know, like I said, on my site and and lots of others, you can stream it right from the website, or you can stream it through Stitcher, and uh, even I think the podcasts app on iOS does that, or podcasting app. I don't know what does that say. I don't know. Yeah, it's podcasts. I think. Yeah, podcast. Jeez, I use it all the time and can't remember the exact name of it. But either way, uh, it's all basically driven by your RSS feed. Uh, some of the things that uh, I wanted to get into here, I'm kind of looking through my copious notes here and trying to pick out the little stuff. I should have really just did an outline here. Yeah, there's a tip for you. But... Uh, yeah, the whole thing is, is, you know, there is an RSS standard, and as long as you adhere to that, pretty much any reasonably built podcatcher app will be able to receive your radio station or your RSS feed. 2005, you know, shortly after podcasting started to you know, get uh, nailed down, uh, Apple added podcast support to iTunes, and everything has been crazy ever since. The, the only thing they did at the time was that they added some iTunes-specific tags that go in the RSS feed, which were not in the original RSS uh, standard. But that's all right. You know, they're iTunes. They can do what they want. But if you use a thing like PowerPress uh, and FeedBurner at first, and that was the whole thing with FeedBurner, is FeedBurner added those tags, such as they were back in 2005, so that you could take any old RSS feed, run it through FeedBurner, and add all those iTunes-specific tags. Well, that's not the case anymore because they haven't updated it much since 2005, and Apple has. So places like or things like the PowerPress plugin in in uh, iTunes or in WordPress or uh, Libsyn, I know, does this, and you know, there's others that do it, but. You know, the whole point is you want it to come from your website, so PowerPress is my choice. But anyway, all these tags uh, help iTunes decide, you know, what category to put your podcast in and and uh, your image and, and all, these, all these things that are specific to iTunes. And a lot of other podcatchers have also taken those iTunes tags and done things with them, so, you know, to make a good... RSS feed for podcasting, you, you want to have all those tags in there. So, like I said, if you use PowerPress on WordPress, that'll generate your uh, podcast feed. If you fill out all the little tags and all the little uh, tabs in the, in the uh, settings and upload your artwork at the right resolution, all that stuff will be populated and you don't have to worry about it. Uh, if you do it some other way, your mileage may vary. And since since we're talking a little bit about iTunes here, one of my pet peeves is people not understanding what iTunes really does. Just like with FeedBurner, people don't understand what FeedBurner really does. And I said you don't use FeedBurner. In the other case with iTunes, you got to use iTunes. You got to you know make your show available on iTunes. You don't you don't have to. You can certainly podcast without iTunes, but you're. Uh, Results will probably be less spectacular if you do. Because there's still over 50%, I believe, of my downloads, maybe even a little more. 
and uh, you know it all varies by the type of show. You know, I know a guy that does a Linux show, and uh, I think he maybe has ten percent iTunes, and <laughs> and then a whole bunch of uh, podcatchers I've never heard of that uh, run on Linux. So you know, it, it depends on subject matter too. But you know, for most podcasts, you want to be in iTunes. Why not? But the thing I want to reiterate is that you never, ever, 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 ever upload to iTunes. That That is the one question I get all the time. I can't upload to iTunes. And, you know, it's, it's, I know it's, I'm being picky, but you don't upload to iTunes. <laughs> you just don't. You know, the only time you would upload to iTunes is if you're an app developer and you upload your app to Apple. Or you upload a song that you want to sell on iTunes to Apple. But in this case, it's it's the podcast directory. And the podcast directory just lists your podcasts. It lists your episodes. And it only lists however many you have in your feed. So if you have 50 in your feed and you've got 250 total, it's only going to list those 50 that are in your feed. If you want all of them to show up, your feed will get too big. And, and I think they have an absolute limit now of 300. So if you've got a podcast with over 300 episodes, you're not going to have them all in your iTunes listing no matter what you do. But I always suggest just keeping it about 50. 50 to 100. You know, 100 probably safe if you don't write huge uh, show notes. <laughs> but uh, And you can use uh, the feed maximizer tool in uh, PowerPress to actually compress that down and you could get 300 in there easy but uh, anyway but the way it works in iTunes is people that are subscribed to your show in iTunes are subscribed directly to your RSS feed they're not subscribed to something in Apple uh, once iTunes or once your iTunes application or also the podcast app in iOS is subscribed your show it's subscribed to your feed from your website it's not this is no longer dependent on whether apple even lists you the apple could take you out of the itunes store completely take your listing out completely and people would still get your podcast through those apps as long as they're subscribed the listing on the other hand is a different story they're two entirely different things the way people find your stuff may be through the listing, but the way they get your stuff is directly from you. I get a lot of questions about that. Oh, I've put up uh, my episode today, and, and it's not in iTunes yet. Well, it is sort of. The people that are subscribed, If you know, if I upload this thing at exactly 3 p.m. on Friday afternoon... At 3.01, if you open your iTunes app or you open your podcast app or any other podcatcher, this show is going to be in at 3.01. It'll be there at, you know, 3 p.m. in one second. As soon as I'm done, you know, posting that post, it's available and it's right there. It's now. But the iTunes listing, on the other hand, may take, you know, two hours, might take two days, might take two weeks sometimes. You know, the, the listing and what is actually in your feed are two different things. So, you know, you don't upload to iTunes. And there's also no such thing as an iTunes feed. <laughs> I've said this before, even on this podcast, so I won't, won't uh, 
beat that dead horse too much, but the the whole point is that uh, iTunes is just another podcatcher. The iTunes Store, which is a different thing altogether, is a listing of what it saw the last time it looked at your RSS feed, which is whenever it feels like it, you can't force it. Of course, you can't force Apple to do anything, which is good in some ways and bad in others. But anyway, they they are the 800-pound uh, gorilla, or, well, now they're probably about 740 pounds because, you know, Stitcher's making some inroads. and Even SoundCloud, and, and I'm reserving judgment about that. Uh, SoundCloud's kind of interesting, but I don't believe it's going to be a massive podcasting platform. I mean, it, podcasting is possible with it, but I don't believe it's going to be a big thing. And hey, I want to talk about media hosting for a minute. And uh, by the way, use my promo code NOBS at Blueberry for a free 30 days of media hosting. Of course, that's all I'm going to say about that. I just wanted to throw that in there because it seemed like a good time. But uh, your web page, if you're doing it the way I suggest, is where your RSS feed lives. The place where your media files, your MP3s, Live is anywhere that's accessible on the web. You know, to be included in iTunes and, and all that other stuff, there are some requirements for the server. But, like I said, you can podcast without iTunes even knowing about your podcast. And so you could just throw your file up on archive.org or whatever, but iTunes isn't going to like that. And a lot of other podcatchers aren't going to like that. And you're Listeners aren't going to like that because it's crappy slow downloads. Of course, if you know they're downloading it in the middle of the night and they're not around watching and waiting, it might not be so bad. But to get it in iTunes, your server has to have you know things like byte range support and and a few other uh, niceties. But uh, you know if you use a, a media host such as Blueberry or Libsyn or Amazon S3 with CloudFront. I'm going to do a whole show on that. I've been getting some questions about that. It's it's not a bad way to go, except that you end up paying more the more your show is popular. And with Lipson and Blueberry, you play a, pay a flat rate, at least in most cases. I mean, if you get super popular, neither one of them are going to are going to uh, tolerate that for long. But the whole thing is, you know, you, you want to. Put your media on a server that can handle it. A, a CDN is the is the uh, name of it, or the the type of server. It's a content delivery network, and and what basically that is is it's a string of servers all over the world that are all kind of tied together. Uh, Blueberry uses a CDN. Uh, Libsyn uses a CDN. Amazon S3 with CloudFront is a CDN. Uh, there's other ones, Cashfly, which, you know, the normal person isn't going to use, but uh, Leo Laporte uses for the Twit Network, because they give him the bandwidth, which is nice. But basically, you want to have it on a good, good server. And, like I said, I said a lot of times, and I say it, you know, every week I get questions about, oh, I put my media on my web server, and, and uh, when I put out an episode, my website crashes. Well, yeah. You're competing with all the podcatchers downloading these big media files, 
and that's competing with serving your web pages. So, and then, and then what happens is your RSS feed fails because it's coming off your same website and you know, the whole thing just bogs right down and it takes it a while to sort out. And so, like I said, it's always good to have it separate. It doesn't matter where the media file is, as long as it's not in the same place with the RSS feed. Unless it's some big honking server that you own yourself with a big fat pipe, well, yeah, then you could probably get away with it. But, you know, in most cases, don't do that. And that's really about it for this uh, this part of it. Uh, I did get one question quite a while back, and I'm sorry, Gene, I, I didn't see it. And uh, so now you know, I'll go ahead and answer the question. And, you know, you know I usually do anonymous anonymous questions but uh i wanted gene to know i did get his email and, and all that and besides that his questions a good one uh, the question was i was able to right click on your show in itunes and get info and i see your settings for name artist album artist etc basically what he's talking about is the id3 tags it says however i didn't see your show notes under any of the tabs the only reason I'm asking is I'm listening to your podcast on my iPad, and I touch your album art, and several paragraphs of text appear. How did you enter that so it would show up that way? And I, like I said, that was a great question. I wish I would have seen it when he sent it back in April. But anyway, uh, the way that works is your podcatcher, in this case, in his case, iTunes or the podcast app on iOS, takes my show notes which is really just taken from the blog post attached to the episode, or that the episode's attached to, I guess would be, make more sense, and it makes them show up there. It's, it's just what is in the RSS feed. The text from the show notes, or blog post, and the MP3 file show up on your iPad, and then if you, you know, tap that uh, album art, it switches to the next page in iOS. Uh, you know, all podcatchers work differently. Uh, the other thing you can do if you want it to do that is you put your show notes in the lyrics tab in the ID3 tags. Or in this case, if you tag the way I do in iTunes, in the iTunes application, uh, under the Get Info area, there's a tab there for lyrics. And uh, I just cut and paste my show notes into that lyrics tab when I save the MP3 file. And that's assuming that I have the show notes done ahead of time. And I don't always do that because... A lot of times, it's not necessary because, like I said, it takes the uh, the blog post and uh, make you know makes that text available uh, in the podcatcher. And one more thing before I close it out uh, that I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, probably most of you know if you uh, follow Cliff Ravenscraft that uh, he is the podcast answer man. Oh, I answer a lot of questions too, but anyway, uh, Cliff uh, got written up in uh, Soapbox Cincinnati. I'm not sure what it's from Soapbox Media, but it's a really nice article about uh, how he got started and and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, the title of the article is Northern Kentucky Home to Leading Podcast Expert. So anyway, I'll have a link to that at the end of the show notes there, and, and if you want to go check it out. Uh, Lifted a really good interview, and the writer uh, wrote it up good. And, and I just wanted to congratulate him on that little bit of uh, 
little more traditional media, although it's probably just a website, but what the heck, it's uh, good, uh, good media. So, congrats to Cliff. Uh, next week, I hope to have the uh, interview that I keep talking about. Uh, haven't uh, got the schedule uh, all worked out yet, but uh, hopefully we'll have that interview next week. And along with whatever questions you have, uh, you know how to uh, get a hold of me. Drop me a question and we'll uh, get it on here next week or whenever you get it to me and whenever I see it. <laughs> Sorry, Gene, I didn't mean to let that wait since April. With that, I will catch you later and you can catch me later. If you have questions about podcasting, how it works, how to set up your website or RSS feed, Drop Mike a voice message at podcasthelpdesk.com or email your question to podcasthelpdesk at gmail.com. You can even tweet your question by using the hashtag podcasthelpdesk. Thank you for visiting the Podcast Help Desk. See you next week. That's all, folks.